Hey, you got him with this one, dog. It's so soulful. Let's take him back. Come on. Hey, remember back in the block in the summertime when the sidewalk got so boiling hot that the heat from the street almost melts your flip flops or burn through your new shoes and leave you. With holes in your socks Us city slickers, there was no water in spots So we'd head to the corner, Mr. Warner would knock Off the knob on top of what the hydrant We was walking on the side of a park Welcome, welcome, welcome uh, back Oh my do-datters, future fathers, potential parents And everyone else tuning in Yes, this is another week of Dad Heart with a podcast As always, I am your host, Mo Green And thank you for continuing to rock with me and check back in for episode 20 of the podcast. Uh, 20, it's a big milestone. Uh, you know, it's 20 episodes in the books. Uh, everybody's still tuning in, loving it. I really appreciate it. And when you talk about milestones, uh, yeah, it's 20 episodes of the pod. And it is 25 weeks of dadding hard, which means my daughter is... Just about six months. And by just about, I mean she turned six months in about mm, two days. So that's crazy. Six months I've been a dad. Six months this beautiful baby girl has been in my life shedding, shining light every single day. Um, and it's been nothing short of incredible. Uh, before I get into that in this week's developments, um, as always... Let's connect on the fatherhood, brotherhood, people. Dadhardpod at gmail.com. Follow the Instagram at dadhardpod and the Facebook, facebook.com slash dadhardpod. Um, before we jump in, I uh, just want to uh, just want to pour my heart out a little bit. Um, you know, as, as most people know, uh, and if you don't know, you've probably been living under a rock, um, but this weekend it, it, it kind of hit me pretty hard. With the uh, the passing of fucking Kobe Bryant, man, um, it is hitting a lot of people hard. You know, I'm a huge basketball fan, so it just kind of hit me hard. But what hit me the hardest was his daughter being in that helicopter with him, man. And um, when I heard it, there were rumors, and I heard rumors that all four daughters were there, and his wife, and the, all, all these different things, And um, but when it got confirmed that his 13-year-old daughter was on that helicopter, I, I was overwhelmed with a lot of emotion, because I'm, I'm a father now, and I'm looking at it from that perspective, and I can't even imagine what that must have been like for him in that moment. Um, and I can't imagine what it's like for his wife and, and what they're going through right now. Um, and it made me literally go into my daughter's bedroom, take her out of her crib and hug her and hold her and bring her into our bedroom and just sit in our bed, um, with her next to me, in me, snuggled into me as close as possible. Um, and I didn't want to let it go. I sat like that with her for about an hour or so. Um, and uh, it was the only thing that I wanted to do. Uh, it's just a really sad situation. And, and it makes you kind of relook at everything as a father specifically because you realize how quickly 
things can change and how crazy life can get. And you never know what can happen at any given instant. Like whoever would have thought that you would have heard the news that at 41 year old, 41 years old, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest athletes of all time, dies, you know? Um, so life is very unexpected. And as a parent, that is more apparent um, when you hear things like this. So what I want to do before we jump into the whole week of development with my daughter, oh my dads out there, moms out there, parents out there, grandparents, who, whoever you are, um, if you're not a parent yet and you just have loved ones, uh, make sure you don't take that for granted. You know, spend a little bit more time, give an extra hug, extra kiss, extra call, um, you know, do, do everything you can to make the most of every day with your loved ones, especially with your kids, um, because you just never know. Uh, and with that said, I will move off of the somber topic. Let's move on, um, because my daughter is about to be six months. And it has been a interesting and fun-filled last week uh, because when they get to six months, they are actually people. Your child is a person at six months, a fully function, not like fully functioning, you know what I mean? They can't do shit for themselves, but they're basically a full thinking, moving, wanting, needing, uh, expressive being. You know, you've gotten past this point where they are just on their backs flailing around and don't know what they want and can't tell you what they want. Now, my daughter can't talk, but she can tell me what she wants. She, if she wants a specific toy that is out of her reach, she can let me know that that is what she wants. She can reach for it. She can attempt to grab it. She can attempt to move her body in a way she can't crawl yet, but she can attempt to move her body in a way to let me know that I want that. You know, when we, when we sit her in her high chair, right? There is a difference in the way that she acts when she wants to continue eating food versus wants water versus wants actual, you know, an actual bottle. You know, there are now differences in her expressiveness. And that is like the biggest thing that comes into play at six months because it was like developing you know, and she was trying to express these things, but the differences in expression weren't there. Now they're there and they're prevalent. And it's like, it really is. She knows what she wants. And in my mind, that's kind of what makes you a fully functioning human, right? When you're able to communicate and express your wants, your desires, your needs, etc. That is what makes humans humans. It's what separates us from, you know, mentally, it's, it's what separates us from every, every other animal or other mammals in the world is that we are able to explicitly express our desires. Um, and, and that's what it is. Her, her method of communication now is, uh, it, it, it's getting there and it, it is, it is, it is growing every day. She is desperately trying to speak. She really, really, really is. She is mumbling. She is blah, 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 
She's not just like whining and crying and ooh, cooing and kai. She is really trying to make words. She is now just at that stage where she is laughing at everything, right? So she just is, everything makes her giggle. <laughs> like she just wants to start laughing hysterically. Um, and it's the cutest thing you'll ever see. And it, it's just really cool to see her reactiveness. Um and to to really see her wanting to communicate and wanting to be a part of the world uh, and, and function in it, you know, um, you know, beyond that, you know, seeing how she is now kind of developed her kind of motor skills more. She's grabbing things. She's shaking things. You know, she is now when she now has this thing with she's in her crib. She is grabbing onto the bars. And then last night she decided that she was going to try to do some acrobatics in the middle of the night at about four o'clock in the morning where she's actually like flipping her legs over her head. Um, which was an interesting thing to say the least. Uh, and it's just crazy to see all of the things that she's trying now. You know, her emotional development also is just all the way there as a fully functioning, functioning human, right? She, she knows when she's sad. She knows when she's happy. She knows when she wants to laugh, when she wants to cry. She knows what type of cry, you know, she knows when she is frustrated. Um, and, and all of these things really develop, like, like I said before, you see them developing once they hit three months, you know, once they're, once they're at that three month stage, that 12 week, 14 week stage, you know, you see that these things are on the cusp uh, and, and they are starting to develop, but you get to six months and they're there. They are, you know, 24, 25, 26, I would assume, um, weeks and they're there. They are emotional beings. They can let you know exactly what they're feeling. They can't speak it to you, right? So if you're that dense of a parent and you just don't, un, you're not in tune with your child, you don't see that level of communication. But when you're locked in and you're in tune with your child and you've seen this development over time, once you get to this 24, 25, 26 week point, you understand everything that they want. And they, it, it seems as such, at least with me, that they understand that you understand. And then you also develop a methodology of communication between the two of you so that they know how to communicate specific things to you and you know how to communicate specific things back to them and how to read what they're communicating and vice versa. It's a very intricate line of back and forth and, and baby communication stuff that all my parents that are, that are into it, all my, all my doodadders and fathers out there, you guys understand what I'm talking about because this is where your relationship really is able to begin with your kids, right? You, once you get to six months and they want, they feel, they have emotion, they can express it, they can communicate, act, um, communicate accurately and constantly uh, and can communicate everything. Like this is where your relationship as a parent really starts. And I think it's also, it seems like for me at least, it's where she really understands 
parent versus non-parent versus like secondary caretaker. You know, there's now like a difference in the way, like the way that she reacts. Um, you know, this, this separation anxiety is now starting to develop in her a little bit because she is understanding that mommy and daddy are leaving the room. And even if she's with daddy and mommy leaves the room, maybe she doesn't want mommy to leave the room. Maybe at that time she wants mommy to be in the room. So she gets upset. Maybe she doesn't want daddy to leave the room. So when I leave, you know, when I leave her with mommy, she gets upset because it's not what she wants at that time. And sometimes she wants us both. Sometimes she only wants my my wife. Sometimes she only wants me. Sometimes she uh, never does she not want neither of us, you know, but like, um, and I notice it more and more uh, whenever I, I, I tr- leave her with, um, with my in-laws. You know, she's now starting to, and she's there all the time. She's there all the time. She knows and loves her grandfather and grandmother. Like she knows and loves them. But when I, recently when I started leaving them there and I turned to go walk out the door, even if she's in the middle of playing or doing something, she knows that I'm leaving. And she expresses that she doesn't want me to do that. It's in, it's interesting, right? I, my conversation last week with um, NAS CEO Paul Canetti, shout out to him. Thank you very much for coming on the show uh, last week. It was a fantastic conversation and episode. But one of the things we spoke about is that his daughters, uh, his, his older daughter now is able to, she's at an age where she can actually tell him, dad, I do not want you to leave. And he mentioned in that conversation that for the first time, his one and a half year old cried when he left in the morning, um, and actively communicated to him that she did not want him to leave. I think my daughter's already doing that already. You know, not to say that she's more advanced or anything like that, but but she is definitely doing that already. Um, and whether she's crying or throwing a tantrum, she's not doing that. But like you can see it in her face that she is absolutely sad when I leave or my wife leaves and she does not want us to do that. Um, so... You know, I, I won't get all long-winded on this um, uh, because that, but because you guys get the gist, and that's what this six-month part of development is about. 23, 24, 25, 26 weeks. It's where their actual human communication develops and hits a point where they are able to express and communicate exactly what it is that they want and they need and they feel and. Um, Seeing that develop in your child is really crazy. Um, and it's really awesome. I say everything's crazy, right? But that's that's what really kind of is enlightening is seeing that develop. To see your son or daughter being able to communicate and learn how to do it, that is one of the coolest things um, about being a parent. And with that said... I'll uh, I'll leave you with that. It's week twenty five, and that's kind of what the development has been. It's this this expressiveness, communication, and um, range of emotions that she now has. You know, besides all the regular stuff, eating solids and all that shit, that's what it really is. The crux is this communication and expressiveness of emotions. Um, 
But, and that's it for week 25. We're going to jump into the musical break and then on into the guest segment. In this week's guest segment for the Big 2-0, it is only right that we bring in our first two-time guest. Uh, and so I have with me, uh, coming on on the other side of the musical break, a... Um, a listener favorite, you know, he, his episode was one of the most listened to weeks to date. Um, and that was all the way back at like week eight or nine, something like that. Uh, but I have my buddy, Mr. Patton Corrigan coming on again. But as you see through this interview, he is basically Dr. Corrigan at this point uh, with, with his, with his, you know, already expert in kind of fatherhood and he's only eight and a half weeks in he came on as an expecting father now he's an actual dad so i thought i'd catch up with him that's coming up on the other side of the musical break uh so keep it locked keep it rolling and uh you know we'll be right back get it kelly son kelly beaches kelly fun kelly reefer that kelly green got a nigga so high that kelly nightlife be so wild Cali girls, yo, for them, I gotta kick this Cali girl flow, they say out here they the best, so everybody welcome to the wild, wild west. Yo, I met Holly on holiday in Hollywood, she had three jobs doing everything she Holly could, she Holly stood on Hollywood and Highland, watching the Holly sun creep below the highlands, we spent crescent nights on crescent heights, looking up at the night sky, the crescent lights, she turned and said, get the crescent's nice, I had to agree, yeah, boo, the crescent's tight. Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains or cared about your ways. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember the sandbox, little league ball, felt like the sandlot. I was the bambino, the salt on the swap. And Doc was more like Benny the Jet, no handy but yet. Pops tell us to drink up, like this will put some hair in your chest. That was before we knew how to stare at some breasts. But when you caught and the first we are back with episode 20, the big 2-0. Of Dad Hard with a podcast. Now you know once that music break hits, it is time for the guest segment of the show. And I know I always say that it's special and I got a special guest. But this week, I actually do have a very special guest. And it's special because for the big 2-0, it only makes sense that we have our first second time guest. And not only is he our first, second time guest, but we now have an arc in the story here, ladies and gentlemen. We're taking, he is taking us on his story arc of fatherhood. He was the first father to be on the podcast. And now he is eight weeks into being an actual dad. Please welcome my guest on the show, Mr. Patton Corrigan. How are you? Good, sir. Morgan, hello. Glad to be here. Honored to be the first recurring guest. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Uh, I told you when we did this before, I had to get you on one again once you right. actually had the baby, and 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 now Junebug is here. How June is Bug's it? Here. How is it going, bro? Oh, it's great, man. Um, it's been you know, it's been 
eight weeks. It was eight or we're eight and a half weeks now. Um, it's been both, you know, the fastest and seemingly the longest eight weeks. Um, it seems like, you know, she's lived three lives already. She seems like she's a teenager in so many ways. It's just, it's, it's really crazy. And we've been hands on deck, uh, both of us in the house, um, you know, uh, the entire time, uh, just watching her, her grow uh, over these past two months. Isn't it crazy how when you, when they first, when they first born, like how quickly you, you, like you just said and alluded to, like how quickly they go from like baby to like teenager, like you feel like you've had them that long already, but really it's only like eight weeks, you know what I mean? It's like two months, but it feels like you've had her already for like 20 years. You know what any I mean? Other, any other circumstance, eight weeks is, you know, like before we had the baby during Ellie's pregnancy, especially towards the end of the pregnancy, because the start of the pregnancy, definitely, I think we mentioned in, our, in my first time on the pod, um, you know, it goes a little slow at first, but then it really picks up steam mm-hmm. and the weeks just take off, you know, uh, super fast. And, you know, before Ellie was pregnant, you know, when we were just, you know, uh, a married couple in our thirties living life. I mean, time really flies then, but, uh, you know, now it's like, it just seems like we've been her parents forever. And, uh, you know, I can't remember what it's like not being her parent. Um, it's crazy. It's been eight weeks. It's really, it's really nuts. You really do. That's a, that's a, such a great point that you just bring up because it does, it feels like you've been a parent forever. And yeah. like, it's so, you know, I mean, Aurora's six months, right. But like, I feel like, She's six years old already. You know what I mean? Like, I really, really, really do. It feels like every month is like a year of growth. And like, everybody told me what I'm about to tell you right now. But like, it gets exponentially quicker once they hit like four or five months. Because then every day, they're like doing something noticeably different. And Mm -hmm. which is what I'm dealing with now, you know? Um, And it's, it's such a wild trip, man. Um if you don't want to touch on it deeply, then we don't have to touch on it deeply. But I know you guys had some like some issues when 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 June was yeah. brought in, and and that was a really tough. Um, that was a that was a tough situation. And yeah. how did you guys deal with it? Was you know like um, uh, how was that emotionally for you having to put her in the NICU and stuff like that? Like how how did you guys deal with that? So it was. Um, it's crazy to look back on. Um, you know, we, the, the entire story of the birth was, um, you know, obviously we had gotten up to the day before Ellie's due date, um, before June was supposed to be born went out to the movies that night. Um, and overnight, um, water broke, went right into the hospital. Um, and there was, uh, what's called meconium in the water. Um, and it's basically, I mean, I'm not going to get too far into it, but it's a pretty common thing that happens. Um, but they want to, when that happens, they want to bring you in and want to keep you and want to monitor the baby pretty closely. But, uh, the baby did great, um, throughout the labor and throughout the pregnancy or throughout the birth. Um, she was able to give natural birth, all that stuff, right? Like it didn't have to be like, it was like a 12 hour, 12 hour labor. Um, not that bad, I guess. Yeah, no, not that bad. Um, but it was like the water broke before any contractions came. Um, so they started with Pitocin, uh, to induce, uh, contractions, which fortunately fairly, um, kicked in right away. Um, and then it was pretty, um, standard from then 
from there on out, I mean, there were some unique circumstances and whatnot, but basically when June was born on Thanksgiving, by the way, which was also, which was which really, is also really uh, cool. Funny. Yeah, it was fun. Um, Thanksgiving, 4.23 p.m., right when everybody was sitting down to, to eat their meals. Uh, uh, she was born, and everything was looking good, and we got about an hour with her um, just to do the skin-to-skin and to do the first feeding. And the nurses and the doctors noticed that she was sort of grunting a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and she hadn't let out one of those, like, really big cries that clears their airways as they, you know, clear their system from the amniotic fluid. They hooked her up um, and started monitoring her oxygen absorption. Uh, and this is pretty common for any time that there's meconium in the water. When it breaks, there's a risk of uh, meconium aspiration, which is where they actually, in the process of transitioning from uh, from the womb to outside the body, and they're starting to breathe, you know, air, um, she had basically aspirated this meconium fluid into our lungs. So it's like almost like, you know, if we Jesus were to Christ. drink something that goes down the wrong tubes and you get fluid in your in your lungs, right. you're usually able to cough it up. She didn't cough it up. It sort of um, absorbed into her lungs and was uh, oh. stopping her from uh, being able to absorb the amount of oxygen that she needed. Um, so, you know, it was a little bit, you know, there was a, a range of emotions at first because, you know, it was looking great. Everything was fine. And they're like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's not absorbing as much oxygen as she should. So, uh, we're going to call the, uh, NICU pediatrician down. Then, you know, then they were like, okay, we need to admit her to the NICU. And like, for me, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't understand like, you know, what the, the entire process would look like. So I was sure. like, okay, well, like maybe a few hours in the NICU. Right. And they're like, uh, no, um, <laughs> pretty much they're Jesus. like, it's going to be, um, you know, we don't like to give out any kind of, any kind of time frame, Personally. but it will, it will be, um, most likely a week, um, at least, um, in order to make her, her oxygen absorption better, they basically hook her up to the equivalent of a CPAP machine, or it is a CPAP machine, uh, where they force oxygen through her nose, um, into her lungs to make up for, um, the blockage that is being caused by the aspiration. Wow. So, so basically, it was um, it was it was pretty crazy because you know they took her and brought her up to the NICU and then you know once they set her up that we we got to go up and see her. Um, and the first time we saw her, she had this this bane looking mask on her face, and it was um, you know that was pretty scary for sure. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like how and, how how was that like how was that seeing her? You know what I mean? Almost the first time you did you have this baby there's so much anticipation so many nerves so much excitement so many emotions going through everything and like basically the first time you get the chance to see her i mean i know you guys spent an hour with her or whatever but first time you get to see her she's strapped up to all these machines like how yeah how was was, that seeing her like that it was um it was i think like okay there's two things i think like at the time um, a ton of adrenaline, um, and basically like sort of in, uh, you know, this super, um, attentive mode where I'm trying to absorb all the information I can. And like right now I can, I feel like I'm almost a doctor when it comes to this stuff. Because You I, sound like you're a doctor. Really, I was just really about to ask you, like, do you ever think that you would right? ever speak yeah, like it, this about this type of stuff? Cause you just, you, you sound like you're an expert now. 
I'm just grilling all the doctors about, you know, what this is, what this means, how we fix it. And, um, you know, off the bat, I want to say that the OB and all the NICU doctors and nurses are unbelievable. Like, you know, these NICU nurses, especially huge shout out to those guys because they are just different types of human beings. I mean, I don't know how you can ever, you know, make your profession and passion be in such a, a difficult um, circumstance, but they were very patient with me and they were like, listen, if you're going to be in the NICU, this is one of the more straightforward and certain issues that, that we deal with. Like we know uh, that if you do X, Y, and Z, meaning like if you put her on antibiotics, if you hook her up to the correct CPAP or vapotherm machine sure. or anything that helps with the supplemental oxygen, um, then you will be fine. She will be fine because all it takes is making sure that she doesn't get an infection and making sure that the meconium uh, naturally dissipates, which it sure. does. There's nothing that they can do that makes it go faster. There's nothing they can do that makes it worse. They just like want to make sure she gets the right oxygen. So it's just a waiting. And it's not like we're fishing uh, for solutions. It's right. not like we don't know what's going on. We know how to deal with this. Um, which I guess and, if you're going to have an issue, you know what I mean? Like yeah. obviously you don't want to have an issue, but if you have an I mean, issue, this is the best type of issue to have upon the birth became, of the child, you know? It, it, it became very clear to Ellie and I that, you know, um, we had it, uh, that we were lucky mm -hmm. that June was lucky because, um, you know, being in the NICU, you're surrounded by babies that sure. were born 27 weeks, 28 weeks and are in, you know, all sorts of, you know, isolation units, um, and incubators. And, you know, we were sharing a room with a baby who is, um, had been there for a long time and the mother, you know, comes up to us to introduce herself and she's like how many weeks has your daughter been here and we're like um one night and she's like oh okay oh yeah so like it, it's we we became it became very clear that, that we were lucky being in the NICU is very difficult for a number of different reasons but um you have 24-hour access but they don't let you sleep there right so right. which is honestly it was a good thing for us to sort of get out of the hospital once ellie was discharged two days after birth and that's you know, probably good out. you'd probably need a break after being yeah, see yeah. not only your child but like so many other people's kids that are right. you know went through the entire range of emotions that you just went through for almost a year worth of right. preparation for this and now they now have to sit there. You know, I just, I can't even imagine how, like, difficult that it was, is mentally, it, you know? It's, it's just, I know, like, being in a hospital is just, like, difficult. It's a difficult environment. It's sure. dry air. You're, you have headaches. You know, you're tired. So it's, like, it was good that we, we had a chance to, at night, you know, um, you know, go home, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and then come back, you know, sleep in our own bed, um, and know that she was being taken care of. Right. Um, which, honestly, like, you know, it was almost like having a night nurse, you know, looking back on it because, you know, they, the nurses at the NICU taught us everything. They taught us how to change the diaper. They taught us how to swaddle her. They taught us, you know, a proper amount for feeding. Like, you know, if we took June home after two days, I think it would have been exponentially scarier once we got home because, like, sure. you know, we didn't have all these professionals telling us exactly what to do and how to do it. So, right, and, and once anyway. you go home, it's just like, here you go. You're on yeah, your yeah, own. Right. You, exactly. we do, you don't have Everybody any help anymore. You just got to kind of figure it the fuck out. Everybody figures it out, but like at the same time, it was um, it was good to have like all of that input. So, so what I'm trying to say is that um, at the time we were so sort of amped up 
um, and hyper aware of everything that was going on. Uh, you know, I turned to Ellie on a drive home one night. I was like, Ellie, like, you know, are you scared? Like, is this are you, like, have you been scared through this whole thing? And like, we sort of looked at each other like, you know, scared isn't really the emotion that we're having right now. Um, it's because it's just been like, so one foot in front of the other and like just making sure that, you know, that progress is being made. And you don't have time to be scared. Right. Right. So I think like the scariness hit afterwards, right? Like we're like, Oh my, like once we were home and after we had some time to process it, figure out how family can visit because you know we have a lot of family in the area and of course that's amazing and tons of support and everybody wanted to show their support for us you have to like shuttle people in and out it was you know a lot of work and a lot of like mental energy so i think that all sort of hit us you know once we got home for sure sure Sure. And I mean, like I said when you get home is when it gets difficult and that's when it gets scary because now you have to make every decision you have mm-hmm. to do you have to figure everything out you're doing everything by yourself doesn't matter how much family you have how close they are how night nurses whatever it doesn't matter it's your responsibility now and that's when yeah. it gets scary and i'm sure for you um and correct me if i'm wrong cuz it's obviously only an assumption but i feel like how i would feel in the situation is like you would be scared you would get the fear of what was just happening and what you just went through would probably hit me after we got home and you're reflecting on what just happened and you're like, holy shit, I, this such and such and such and such could have happened. We just went through this whole thing and then kind of that like wave of fear, you know how that fear kind of waves over you or rushes over you after the scenario that you should have been oh, scared absolutely. about happened? Like that's how I feel like it would have happened to me. Um I, and I'm completely just like speaking for you right now, but I can imagine like that was kind of somewhat similar. Once you had a chance to reflect on what actually happened, I'm sure that all kind of hit you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it did. And it was also like a little bit of like we had gotten used to, you know, um, being able to see since she was hooked up to monitors all the time, being able to see her oxygen absorption rate, right, being able right, to right. see her, her, her heart rate, right. being able to see, um, you know, everything right up on a screen above her head. Um, you know, so like, no, like hearing a weird noise, but then looking up and seeing that she was absorbing oxygen right. at the right level still, you know, like, so taking her home now, of course, the, the doctors and the nurses were like, we're the only way that we let the baby go home is if we're a hundred million percent sure that she is able to. So don't right. worry about any of that stuff. But still, like, coming home this first couple of nights, and, you know, she's, you know, um, sleeping and, and making weird, you know, grunting noises that, you know, are, were totally normal. But for us, it's like, you know, you're what, second what guessing is everything. What is that? Yeah, exactly. So that that's where I think the fear came in. But, you know, listen, it, it um, I think that the weight of, like you said, having to make every decision um, and needing to figure it out that quickly sort of. Um, outpaced the the fear of of anything that we had left over from the NICU and and we started getting more confident in our decision making and um you know 
understanding that she, after more and more, you know, more and more time at home, you know, and realizing that she's doing great, that, um, we didn't have to worry about that really sure. anymore. It's just, you know, like the, the normal, the normal, the normal, you know, paralyzing fear that comes with parenting. <laughs> that <everybody's doing. laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know what, yeah. let's talk about this normal, normal par- paralyzing fear that comes along with the normal season parenting. You, you were on here. You were the first dad to come on. That was an expecting dad. Um, how is that transition from expecting dad to actual dad? How yeah. has that been for you? How are you dealing with it? What's the experience like, et cetera? I think it's been it's been great because I like I think just personally I function best when I have like tasks in front of me and like stuff that I need to get done. Oh, and you like, have a shit ton of tasks yeah, in front exactly, of you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, when you're a dad, like, there's no option. Like, you have to do this, you have to do that. There's no uh, questioning. There's no apprehension. There's no, um, you know, hemming and hawing. There's no worrying about anything. It's just doing what you have to do yep. at that time. Yep. It's got to just doing it. get your baby through, you know, the first weeks of their life. Which, For sure. you know, it's pretty crazy because, you know, those first, the first few weeks, the first like four weeks, especially, but you know, up till now, I mean, they really are. I mean, everything is is on you. They're not able to hold their head up for a while. You know, they're um, they're still figuring out how to communicate. And they're trying to, you know, they're crying, and you're trying to figure out what it means. So it's just like, and then you're one crying. Thing in front of the other. <laughs> it's just one thing in front of the other. So for me, the way that my personality is, and I know this isn't for everybody, but like. I operate best in in that scenario, sure. so it's been like um, a pretty natural and um, you know it's pre- been a pretty natural transition for me. It's a weird satisfaction of knowing like okay, you don't have a choice, you know, like for this sure. is what you have to do, and sure. um, not having that choice brings me a sense of like almost a sense of calm. So it's obviously it's not a calm scenario in general but it is like uh, i think like the transition in my psyche has been like very steady going through it for sure that's that's awesome is so is is it is it as you expect it to be is there anything that's different do you did you did you kind of think that it would be like this and and is everything like i said is everything as it you expected it to be is it much different is there anything in particular that has been like shit i did not realize that i was gonna have to go through such and such i think i expected to feel this way um, I expected to like, you know, um, feel the emotions I just talked about, about, you know, like feeling good about having something to do always and like having tasks in front of me. Um, you know, obviously I did not, uh, recognize, um, the depth and, um, sort of just endless amounts of things that you have to make decisions on on a daily basis when you're figuring out who your baby is and what babies are and you know like how what they want and what makes them happy and you know what's good for them so um it's been uh you know on one hand uh as expected but on the other hand it's been uh an experience that you know I, i wouldn't say is unexpected um but is just totally unpredictable and like you can't possibly understand um, how you would feel about those types of decisions and those types of activities until you're going through them. So, you know, I think, you know, one interesting element for us has just been 
you know, trying to get feeding right, you know, um, and, and trying to figure out, especially, you know, with the NICU situation, it's, it really, um, it puts a different spin on, um, you know, the breastfeeding versus formula and, uh, it, because of just the circumstances and, and the fact that they're spending their first week of their life in a hospital instead of doing skin to skin with the mother, it really throws a wrench into, you know, what a, a normal and, I shouldn't say normal. It throws a wrench into a standard procedure where, you know, everything goes by the book. So, you know, it's, I would say that I think something that, that has surprised me is, um, you know, just how many different ways there are to do something, uh, to to parent, to be a father. There there are, are no direct answers. And I was surprised at, um, how, much you can't really look at a book to figure it out um you have to just go through it and try to to be perceptive of what your baby needs and um try to um make the best decisions you can based on the circumstances you're in right and that and that's the key thing that i i mean listen that's the exact reason why i started this whole dad hard thing right and and it's because there is no manual for parenting Period. End of story. That's it. You can get recipe books on how to make, you know, different solids and how to mash your bananas. You can get books about how to start introducing solid foods. You can get, you know, you can talk to nurses and uh, lactation specialists about different methods by which you can successfully breastfeed, maybe. You can talk to people about possible you know, things that you can do to help you with parenting, but there is no manual to it. And every nope. single thing, just because what worked for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. It doesn't mean that it, that what works for you is going to work for me. What's going to work for him. What's going to work for her. It's all different. There's so much variance in I'm parenting. I'm also noticing just like we, on that theme of variance, like it's not only like what works for you would work for me or, or not work for you. It doesn't work for me. Like, what worked for June yesterday when she had a doesn't work for her tomorrow doesn't work for her tomorrow absolutely like 100% you have to just really be okay with rolling with with whatever's being thrown at you and you know you try to you try to like set up a, a structure and a schedule and like you can keep to it as much as as you can and it's great like we are you know we're we're feeding every four hours and you know she's really made good progress with sleeping like she's only waking up once um you know in the middle of the night right now and she's like starting to take less and less during that night feeding which is like getting us towards you know a fully sleep trained baby but like um that being said you know like Yesterday, she was happy as a clam all day, you know, like doing tummy time, you know, giving us smiles and, you know, like engaging with the mobile and just like, you know, just having a ball all day long. And today, like, you know, like about, you know, two hours after feeding, she's starting to just like for each feeding today, she's just totally sort of gone off the rails and we've had to spend the next two hours trying to figure out, you know, like what can we do to distract her to get to our next feeding without, you know, breaking down and just giving her the food and totally breaking her schedule. So it's like, you know, it it just, you never really know what's happening. I think that like is, is part of the reason why it seems like these first eight weeks are just so long. It's because every day is a different like journey and you are like 
acutely aware of every single hour that passes by and what's going on. Like all of that information just stacks up in your head and you're like, okay, I remember what was happening yesterday at 3 p.m. Right. Well, the other thing happening today at 2 a.m., you know, like it's, it's all just information. So it right. makes everything seem so dense. And right. I think that's why it's like such a, a well, the other thing is that, is that you're the amount of hours in the day that you're actually up, right. Yeah. Is, is also a lot more, whether you're up, fully from you know four in the morning until you know eight at night or you're you're up from 6 a.m until 10 a.m and then from 11 a.m to you know the amount of hours that you're just awake and they're not just like lackadaisical hours when you're home with the baby you cannot mail it in you absolutely cannot do that and when you're at work, like listen it sounds fucking shitty and and but but the truth of the matter is is that you can mail in days at your fucking job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, exactly. you know, uh, the NFL players and freaking NBA players and, you know, I'm sure there are even doctors that are just coming, sitting in it. They mail it in every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yo, wait till the first time that you have to wake up with a fucking hangover and take care of your baby. Oh, my God. I actually had that time. Oh, my <laughs> God. Dude, the lucky it was this early on. Don't Like, oh, once you get to that so three bad. months... It oh, was so dude. bad. It was the first time I had gone. It was for a buddy, made partner at law firm, and uh, you know Ellie's parents lived nearby, so they were like, "We'd love to, you know, take her at June for sure. like, You guys go and enjoy yourself, and we enjoyed ourselves for sure. But like, I, I mean, enjoying myself. Did both right of you now, have a hangover? I had like three drinks, and like I was a disaster. Did both like, of you have a hangover, or just you? I mean, I get them worse so she did but like totally like in, i was in a different league i like i actually like um <laughs> i was in charge of getting up in the middle of the night to oh. do some feeding and i ended up just like sleeping on the floor of the nursery i didn't even make it down into the bed oh, i was man. just like i'm just gonna like i can't even stand up and try to like uh comfort her as she's trying to fall back asleep i just need to to oh, lay down right here on this nice floor Dude, i can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times i have like like how how many times I've, I've just decided to sleep on the couch because not necessarily because I was like drunk or whatever or like hung over, but like just because it was easier to like get to the baby in the crib or how many times I wanted to just pass out in the rocking chair, like okay. in her bedroom um, or whatever. But that first time when you are hung over and you have to deal with the baby, whether it's waking up in the middle of the night, like when Aurora was still in our room, I was the one that slept next to her, whether hangover or not. Like, and so if she woke up in the middle of the night, that shit was on me. Uh, And yo, we went out. I remember we went out one night, um, when my band played a, a benefit show for the girls club of uh, lower East side and we both got hammered. Uh, but, but we were both so messed up. And the next morning trying to take care of the baby with a hangover and she was like three months. So she like knew what was going on. She like wanted things. She wasn't just like sleeping right, every right, two right, hours right, right. and like all that type of stuff. Cause like when they're little, like between four and eight weeks or four and even 12 weeks, you can get away with just like put, feeding them and going and sending them back to sleep, feeding them and sending right. them back to sleep. Right, right. You know, when they're like three months, they like they know like what play. they wanted. To, right. They need to play. Yeah. They need to yeah. be engaged. They need to be stimulated. And when you're hung, you have that hangover and your head is just ringing and oh my God, it's the it's worst thing ever. 
run and drink again. Right. The, as I as I sit here and talk <laughs> about the, exactly. I mean, I'm serious. Like, I can't even go out and have more than uh, two beers or two no. drinks anymore, or no. else I'm completely no. trashed in the in the next morning and done, and probably done for three days. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, crazy. It's, it's crazy how much but it changes you. You know? It's it's but you know what like. It was good to go out and like of course. Know, get a little bit of a celebration in for my sure. buddy. This big milestone in his life. I was happy to do it, um, and it was like good to you know leave the baby with her with her grandparents and you know set that relationship up. So we're not like you know nobody can watch our baby sure. but us. But like it was. I mean, I. I realized after that, I was like, okay, I can do that. Happy to do that. Um, I'm just uh, not going to be um, slamming three cocktails in a row and then like For sure. drinking wine. Absolutely. Nope. Um, so you, so you've already left her with the with the grandparents. How is that? Is that, is that the only time you've done that? Have you guys like no, been they, into they, a? They're so funny. Her uh, Ellie's parents are, are great, and uh, they they will text us like once a week, being like, hey, do you guys um have any uh any dates or anything do you have any like dinners you want to go to do you want to see any movies or anything so like literally we are like making like the other day we on saturday we uh we got a text from them early in the week we're like i mean i feel bad like maybe let's go to a movie so they can come over and take and, and watch the baby for a isn't few it hours. the best when when the grandparents like hit you yeah, up like hey do you need me to come over do you need yes. anything like don't you yes. want like for example my daughter is with her grandparents right now as exactly. we're doing this, and they, like, want to do that. It's phenomenal when you um, – Got to take advantage of it. Oh, dude, and especially when you get to, like, this time, like I said, when they need to be – you need to be actively engaging them at all yep. times when they're not napping. Yep. Like, it is a blessing. Like, I'll go – I go drop a roar over there just so I can clean the house. Right. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. There's no way you can do that otherwise. All right. Nope. I'm just I, like we're just starting to get to the point where she's like having distinct times between like feeding, needing to like digest, but also like play and be entertained, and then napping. Right? right. So it's like today, like you know, she was going ballistic. We fed her, and then you know, usually up until now, you feed her, and she's like so sleepy and just like passes out right away. Now she's like bing, wide awake, right. like. Pay attention to me. Put your phone down. I swear to God, every time I like pick my phone up while she's like in my lap, she like starts crying. It's hilarious. Yeah, she's, like, they do. They do. They don't. It's they want so funny. To, they want your it's attention. Like, put that shit away yeah, right dude. now. You know what? It's great. It's, it's wait till good. she tries to start taking it out of your hands. Right. 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 That's that's where Aurora is at now. Every time I just I I just had her at a puppet show today, and I'm trying to take pictures of her and videos of her and whatever. And she's instead of enjoying the puppet show, she's like getting distracted from the puppets and trying to take the phone out of my hands. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Right. But listen, man, I just I wanted to, I wanted to do a quick catch up with you. You guys seem like you're doing great. I saw you twice last week, both yeah. both with our kids. You had it. You had her out in the carrier. You're already a freaking pro, and I knew you. I knew you would. You guys Thanks, seem man. like you're doing really fucking awesome. And, I think we're um, all right. We're doing yeah. pretty good. I think you do. You seem like you're doing fucking great, and and, and that's awesome. Um, and uh, there was no doubt that you that you would at least not for me. You know what I mean? I appreciate um, it. And so I'm very proud of you guys. Very happy for you guys. Um, I uh, I know it was a wild ride in the beginning to to get to where you are right now, and I'm just happy that June's okay and and you guys are doing 
good and 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 moving and grooving and i can't wait to see how you continue to evolve in this in this road of fatherhood because it's gonna be freaking cool you're the like the only dad i know right now that's behind me so i can like look back at you and be like yeah that's my guy right there the way that probably everybody else i know looks at me you know Oh, that's the best, man. It's great. It's great. It's it's awesome to be able to you know take the girls out and meet up with you. Of course, and, you know sure. see you guys and you know also ask you guys for advice and ask all our other friends that have babies for advice too. It's a huge help, and a, uh, you it, know, we really appreciate. It's it. what it's all about. That's like you know yep. once you're once you're a parent, you're in this community. Like I said, it's the fatherhood brotherhood, man. And it's yeah. a, it's a real fucking thing. Um, yep. And it's and it's fantastic. So before I let you go, because um, I got to go pick, a, pick up my daughter. Um, before I let you go, I am going to ask you the question that I ask every dad. Now that you are a dad, I know it's only been eight and a half weeks, but what has been your favorite thing or favorite experience about fatherhood? Oh man, I I thought about this, and you know I didn't have to think too long. I mean, it really hit me hard when. One morning, um, maybe like two weeks ago, and it could have been by mistake, but now it's happening regularly. Um, when you know, I, I went in because she was crying and in the middle of the night to go, you know, change her diaper and feed her, and she sees me come in and she just flashes a big old smile. Oh, it's the like, best! It's, it's the best. I mean, it's, it's happening more and more, and like I'm never gonna get tired of it. It is. It's just like. It's it's just like so so fulfilling and like it really hits you every time. So there's nothing quite like that. When when you see when you see and I think it's I don't have a boy, so I don't know if it's different with boys. But like there's to me there's something about you when it's your baby girl specifically. Yeah. There's just like a angelicness or a softness yeah, right, to it for sure. that is just you know. I, and again, I can't speak. I can't. It's an unfair for me to say because I don't have a, a boy. But I think there's something different about having a baby girl. And when that smile happens, it hits a dad in just a different way. You so know what I mean? It's, it's amazing. It's, it's the best. It's insane, and it only gets better. Um, it's, for sure, it, it, it is. I, That's I the best thing. Yeah. It's the best. I yep. I live for that now. Yep. You know? Um but Pat, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on again. First time first time we've had a second guest. I love that we're gonna now follow the story arc through the dad hard process. It's gonna be fucking dope. Um I'm very happy for you guys, very proud of you guys. Um Thank you, man. and I, I can't wait to enjoy the ride with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to you soon. Later. And that is all for this week's episode of Dad Hard with a Podcast. Thank you very much to my very special guest and first, second time guest. Uh, and like I kept saying to him, we now have a guest that we're going to follow their story arc from pre, pre-daddom into daddom and, and throughout that thing. It's going to be fucking cool. It's like telling a story. Uh, but anyway, thank you again for checking out episode 20 of Dad Hard with a Podcast. Rocking with me for 20 episodes so far. We're going to keep on rolling. Keep doing it. Um, and until next week, same Dad Hard time, same Dad Hard place. But of course, you can always connect with us on the Fatherhood Brotherhood. DadHardPod at gmail.com. At DadHardPod on Instagram. And Facebook.com slash DadHardPod. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, we're out. Peace. 
Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Gotta remember the good times. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains or cared about your ways. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Ain't that the truth, man? I wish you could go back being a little kid again, man. Remember them good times. Everything was free spirit and all that. I'm talking the playground. He was playing on the monkey balls or whatever. Sprinklers. Hydrants going off in the street in the summertime. That home cooking. Can't be that, man. You remember. And if not, you need to rewind this one. I'm back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun.